following program is intended for mature audiences. The time is now for the hardest hit, yet completely trivial, football show on the planet. You are in rarefied territory. Ladies and gentlemen, well, well to the broken helmet. Let's rock. And coming to you live on tape on this October 30th. It is Halloween Eve, folks. All the ghouls, ghosts, and goblins all coming out tomorrow. Or in my case, just kids dressed up like ghosts, ghouls, goblins. Trying to eat up all your candy. Dad wants little in terms of turnout. That way he gets to take home all those sugary treats himself. And stuff his fat face. That boy. Anyway, it is Halloween Eve and the day before week eight of the NFL season. We've already kicked off as we do every Thursday with a good game. It was the Green Bay Packers facing off against the Arizona Cardinals. The game came all the way down to the wire. A.J. Green not knowing what the fuck was going on. It was a disaster. Wasn't looking. Right on your shoulder, A.J. Miscommunication at the end. Could he have had it? Who knows? It didn't matter. He wasn't looking. What the fuck? Anyway, that goes all the way back. Now, during the game, I actually was talking about... I was at the bar watching it with uh, my buddy Pete... And we were watching it, and at the end, when Green Bay didn't go for the three points to make it six, I, I, I just was uber pissed because I understand the data analytics and all the rest of it, but you would think that with the lack of time on the clock, that your defense could at least stick them to not get a touchdown. And ultimately, it turns out that I was more than wrong. Because as Green Bay ends up missing the uh, the fourth down conversion for a touchdown, thereby only having a three-point lead, in which case I said, now nah, they only got to come down, kick a field goal, and then it goes into overtime. They Cardinals very well could have went right down the field and scored because the throw was there. So in that case, they would have won the game. And they're me you know, being 45-year-old old curmudgeon and still uh, a, a little rooted in some of the uh, strategies of football days past, uh, all pissed off that they didn't go for the field goal. But then again, you know, had it not been intercepted, they could have kicked the field goal and went into overtime, in which case I would have been vindicated. Eh, tomato, tomato, you know what I'm saying? I, I mean, we're just talking about a game that's in the books not right now. But Green Bay lucks out. Uh, Arizona goes for it uh, in the end zone there, and they don't get a chance to kick the field goal because it ends up getting intercepted as A.J. Green doesn't look 
back behind him. They said something about communications, like I mentioned before. Old hat. So anyway, that game goes into the books. That ends up being Green Bay and the over, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I had it charted. We were going to do our podcast like usual on Wednesday. But life gets crazy sometimes. My brother has been jammed up, so he was not able to attend Wednesday. We are going to try to hold out and see if we can get something in here today. It didn't work out, so I am flying solo. But, um, as I said, it ended up being the Packers as a dog win on that one. There's the dogs again. I mean, those guys all year. Not only have the dogs been coming in, but the dogs have been winning a lot of these games. It, it pretty... Uh, Money to be had if you pick out those dogs. You know, you pick the dogs, and you pick a couple of them to win. And for the most case, each week, you have a good shot of hitting more so than playing the lottery. That's for shit sure. But anyway, the Packers end up uh, winning that game outright. It was Cardinals by about a touchdown. And the over-under I had at 50 and a half. So at 24 and 21, that ends up being an under. If you were to tease it, however, what you've gotten there, let's see, 44, 45. Yes, so the tease would have hit. So that would have been good for Green Bay and the under. But if you were to tease it, you could have gotten the over there at, by a half of a point. Pretty. These guys are good. These guys that make the numbers. I mean, that boy is good. They are. They're pretty good. So anyway, that's how we started off the week. Good game on Thursday, and you know the Thursday game. Even though we've had some stinkers in terms of teams, uh, you know, let's go back just a couple of weeks to the Jacksonville Bengals game. You get good games out of it. So if you know, it's unfortunate because it kind of waters down, in my opinion. The Monday night game, because by the time Monday night rolls around, I mean, even the diehard football people, it's fun to watch, but there is a little bit of exhaustion in the sense that if that game ends up getting one way or the other, it's not entertaining or it's a blowout, it's an easy tune out where I think that in decades past, it was just appointment watching. But we talked about that, if I'm not mistaken. I talked about it last week on the podcast. But if not, I'm not going to go off on the rails yet again. So that was our Thursday night game. And so now we step up to the plate with a more normal schedule. We've got two teams on buys this week, that being the Raiders and the Ravens. And then you have a big slate of eight games at 1 o'clock. You've got four games at 4 p.m. This week docket is going to consist of six home dogs, so we're getting back up there with the sixes, and then we back up there with the home dogs with the number six, getting up there with the sixes. That makes no fucking sense. Uh, and then we also have three double-digit spreads. Almost a fourth really depends on what book you go and get, but could be four, could be three. So that's how we're lining up here for week six. Fifteen games in total. Obviously one of the books, so we got fourteen here to talk about. So with that said, let's do a little review of everything from week seven. Why don't we kick it off? First down. First down. And so here we are now looking back at how we did in all of our picks and especially our gambling. And that's where we will start off for first down today. And look, you can't you can't mess with the boy. Christopher Eggie has been having a phenomenal, phenomenal year. And he did it again last week. He took the Titans outright to win. 
and that sucker hit. So he uh, put about 100 bucks on that, so he ended up tripling his money in that regard. And then he came down to the teasers, and sure enough, he had Tampa Bay, Detroit, Indianapolis, and Seattle. So that was good right there for another win. And then came super, super close to his second teaser as he had Tennessee, Patriots, Packers, but then, oh! The Baltimore Ravens got destroyed by the Bengals, and that cost him. Otherwise, he would have had both teasers plus his money line win on the Titans last week. As for me, again, I had a good week in the picks, and we'll get that to a second, but with my betting... It's all over, Johnny. We've got to go back to the bank, and we have to reload because I ended up taking my last 200. I put it in the line, and down she went. My parlays, I took the Raiders, which were good, but then I took the charred Chiefs, and the Chiefs were no good. I mean, those fucking Chiefs, why you would go with them ever, ever again is beyond me. I mean, it is every time you go with the Chiefs and you think you got them. Game over, man. It's game over. No doubt. No doubt, Hudson. It's over. Over, Johnny. And so the Chiefs end up uh, losing, and there went my little parlay. But the bigger uh, knock was my teaser, because that's where I had put in a bulk of my final 200 bucks, And that went with the Pats, the Packers, and then the Rams. And we were talking about it during the game, that Rams-Lions game was a teaser special. You just had to figure out how to line it up. And we were saying during it, I, I took the I took the Rams teased down, and my brother ended up taking the Lions teased up. And I said, you know, I think that's the better way to go. And sure enough, um, it was. It was. Win takes for nothing. Uh, so down she went. So I had a reload. So this is the second year in a row, and I think it was around the same week. But uh, I have now reloaded for my second thousand dollar bankroll. My brother on the mean, uh, on the other hand, mean hand on the mean hand. What the fuck does that mean? Nothing. The other hand makes a lot whole more, a lot more whole sense. A whole lot more sense. The other hand, my brother is raised his bankroll back up to about 3300 bucks. So again, don't listen to me. Go with my brother. That's where the picks are coming in. So anyway, let's go to the super picks. We were last week, I was 4-1. Chris was 4-1. So for the year, Chris ends up being 22-14. He's, uh, again, knocking it out of the park everywhere. I am the opposite. I am 14-21. The big game where we pick all the games. I actually had it this week. Yes, yes, I was the leader. I was eight and five last week. My brother was six and seven. On the year, he's still ahead. He is an even 500 at 52 and 52. I'm 10 games under 500 at 47 and 57. So how about the other teams? The money, the tickets, the sharps. Well, nobody had a good week in that regard. The money was four and nine. The tickets also four and nine. And the sharps were even at four, uh, 500 at four and four. On the year, that brings my brother to the lead, and just behind him is the money. They're 49 and 51. The tickets, the sharps, me, we all suck. But right now, the money and my brother are the ones coming in. So as for our over-under picks, I ended up being 2-0. My brother was 1-1, so we are both 6-8 for the year. 
Survivor and Knockout, I ended up going, uh, winning in both columns. I had the Rams and the Washington football team. My brother also had the Cardinals and the football team. So we were both victorious in both of those contests. And this will bring us now to all the other stats. We'll wrap it up quick. The Dogs ended up winning last week by a score of 7-6 to six over the favorites. The Dogs this on the year right now in the lead, 55-51. to 51. Of those games last week, the Dogs won four of those seven games outright. So of the four games they ended up winning, those went to the Titans, the Giants, the Bengals, and the Colts. Home Dogs, they were 4-0 last week. Whoa, all right, 4-0. Good week for the Home Dogs. Two of those four games were outright wins, those being the Titans and the Giants, the Dolphins and the Seahawks were home dogs that just covered. Uh, games with weekly movement. So we're not going to do it this week because we didn't do a Wednesday pod, but usually on the Sunday morning I'll track the money that has moved one way or the other. And this week there wasn't a whole lot. So the money, the pros were 4-5 and five with their movement. The tickets were 3-4. and four. So it didn't really matter. The, the winners, there were three teams that both the monies and the tickets picked that ended up seeing money coming in on their side that were winners. That was the Packers, the Bengals, and the Lions. The losers were the Chiefs, Jets, Carolina, and Philadelphia. I mean, the Chiefs, uh, <laughs> the Chiefs are just, they are spread killers. They really are. Uh, there's nothing you could do about that. And the Jets, I didn't understand why money was coming in, but it was, and it ended up going right down the toilet. That's all she wrote. Over-unders, the unders won that last week, 8-5. and five. The unders now are leading the season at 57-50. and 50. Teasers were not great last week. Uh, favorites were seven and five. Dogs were eight and four on the point total over six and five. Unders were eight and three on the year. Nobody's really that strong. The unders and the dogs are still hovering around seventy percent, but the uh, the favorites are a little bit less, and the under, overs are definitely under. The overs are just at. 62%. So not a, not a great year for the overs, whether you tease them. So, And finally, the last thing that we always track, the halftime leads. Last week, yes, it was a full 13 to nothing victory for all the teams. So every game whose team had a lead at halftime ended up being victorious. 78 and 24 on the year for halftime leads, a whopping 76.5%. And sorry if I get a little distracted here, but I have the Michigan-Michigan State game on in the background, and there was just an insane, insane play to basically end this game where the Michigan State corner made an interception over his right, over his left shoulder with his right hand. I mean, crazy, crazy way to end the game. So, and it looks like Michigan State's going to end up victorious in this one, 37 to 33. But uh, I digress. We go back to what I was talking about. Uh, we did have some buys. That was the final thing here. And to knock it up, the buys were nothing last week. They were three and two, uh, two and two total. But the 49ers came off of a bye. They were at home. They lost. The road buys, the Falcons and Saints, they came off of a bye. They won. But the Jets came off of a bye, and they lost. So that was it. So anyway, uh, you know, that, that was all of last week. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense, uh, you know, coming on Saturday with the games tomorrow. But 
eh, we do it every week, so uh, you know can't break form here. Got to keep the uh, got to keep the numbers rolling here. See how we're going. But through that entire I don't even know ten minute segment of me just. Uh, flapping up the gums, the point of the matter is you want to stick with my brother, you want to stick with the money, you want to stick with the unders, and you want to stick with the dogs. That's it. So where does that leave us now? It leaves us with the rest of the games to talk about, and we will start off with two of the big games. There are a couple that, you know, you probably could do three this week, but I was looking at two that I thought were really interesting, and so that's where we will start off as we will fly out to uh, New Orleans. Second down. Second down. So we will fly out to the Caesars Superdome out there in New Orleans to watch this NFC South battle. You have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers facing off against the New Orleans Saints. The Buccaneers right now favored by four and a half. You have one of our many home dogs here to start off. Uh, Again, uh, Tampa Bay is going to be the road favorite. Four and a half, like I said, is the spread. 49 is the over-under. In regard to where the Sharps are going to fall, they are going to end up siding with the Saints on this one. The Buccaneers seeing love from both the pros and the Joes as 72% of the tickets and 67% of the money pool are in on Tampa Bay. That number actually has come down over the week though. So while they do have the uh, majority portions of both of those segments, you are seeing money come in toward the Saints as the week has progressed here. So uh, in regard to the uh, against the spread records for both teams, they're both very 500. The Bucks are one game under at three and four. The Saints are three and three. Uh, and let's check out and head over to the injury report to get a last second update on that. As we look to see Antonio Brown being out, he's actually had an okay year here for the Buccaneers, but he has been out one other game, and I forget what it was. But regardless, he'll be out for this game. You have Rob Gronkowski, who looks to be able to play here. We will see. I, you know, it looks like. I think they said, quote-unquote, a chance to play was the terminology used. In regard to the Saints, the only really, they got a bunch of people back last week. Uh, Taysen Hill still has that concussion. I don't know if he has passed or not. Um, I was trying to find, and I couldn't find word. He's listed as questionable on the official report, but obviously Taysen Hill is a a big piece of that offense when they choose to deploy him into the strategy. We will see what happens here this week, but obviously Antonio Brown is probably the biggest news there out. Uh, Gronk, he hasn't been in a couple of weeks, so it would be an added bonus for the Buccaneers if they get him in there. Uh, Let's go to the DVOA numbers to check out how both of these teams do in that regard. And look, I mean, the teams are solid, and they are doing so on kind of different sides of the ball here. Now, Tampa Bay is ranked first in offense, seventh in defense. So they're high up on kind of both of the DVOA scales. New Orleans, mind you, has the third-ranked defense, so a solid defense, but that offense comes in at 20. It's not high up at all, and... I mean, if you look at it, their 20 breaks down to ninth and pass, which is shocking, and then 20th against the rush. Look, their offense is Alvin Kamara and Alvin Kamara only. Uh, you know, I mean, sure, 
Jameis Winston gets in there once in a blue moon with a couple of big passes, but he's also, I mean, it's, it's been his moniker his whole career, right? He's the, the blessing the curse. He either does really good or he stinks up the joint. I mean, New Orleans has basically found what they do best, and that is utilizing Alvin Kamara to then set up the rest of the offense. He is the MVP of their team. And if they were to go on some kind of crazy run toward the end, you know, obviously MVP candidates go toward quarterbacks, obviously, but Kamara gets enough utilization and has as big an impact that he probably, his name should come up for consideration if New Orleans goes on any kind of run. But, again, New Orleans, it's the third-ranked defense, and I you know Tampa Bay is not far behind at, at seventh, but, uh, you know, Tampa Bay's pass defense has been haunting them all year long, and uh, they're coming in at 11th total in the pass. Uh, New Orleans is at six, and they're both at rush defenses are great. New Orleans is second and Tampa Bay is fourth. So, I mean, that's how it breaks down here, uh, you know, in regards to the offense and defense. What happens come Sunday at four? That's the big question. And, you know, it's going to be a good game. I I like Tampa Bay. Uh, I'll be honest. The Saints are, I think they're a live dog. I don't want to say that they're not. I, the thing about the Saints to me is that you can't really rely on Jameis to be the X factor, right? I, I mean, it's not. It, it's Kamara. And so, you know, to try to see Kamara being able to you know, power some kind of game for New Orleans that ends up in victory, I mean, you could see it, but I think that if that was the case the bigger factor would end up being Tampa Bay struggling on offense. And, I mean, that could happen. Tampa Bay has had a great, great season, right? You had that one game against the Rams where they ended up stinking it up, but the rest of their season has been good. They've had some struggles on the defensive side of the ball, but, I mean, you're playing with Tom Brady, who at this point in his career is just... Such an advantage for any team. He's seen it all. He knows what's going on. And, you know, so long as other things in the machine don't go awry and Mike Evans doesn't give his 600th touchdown ball away to some random kid in the stands, you know, the team pops. So at four and a half points right here, it's not a whole lot of points. And I was looking at their, their, uh, their, Jesus, Rich, talk. It's not hard. I was looking at their schedule and the results of their games, and if you look at it, there aren't many close games for the Bucs. I, I think they've won all but the Patriot game by eight points or more. So you would think that, you know, that being the case, or is this going to turn out to be the grinded-out game where the Bucks win by a field goal? Very well could, right? All results are independent of weeks prior. But I, I am comfortable in this game taking the Buccaneers and those four-and-a-half points against the Saints. And while I like Alvin Kamara and I like the Saints' defense, my bigger hesitation with going with the Saints here is just Jameis Winston. I, I just... Don't know if Jameis is going to have what it takes to get done in a spot where like this where you're going to have to be going up against probably the greatest quarterback to ever play and one at this point that just is, I mean, he's just humming away. He really is. It, it is a, it's a treat to watch 
uh, Tom Brady. Whether you like him or you hate him, it doesn't really matter. The fucking guy's playing great, and it's a treat that we've gotten to see this. I know it gets boring after a while because the guy's been around for so long, but when you just see somebody play at this level, it really is something to see. So uh, I am going to end up going with the Buccaneers on this one, and then my brother, he he's, he's a sharp. He's not. He's going to come in on the Saints for reasons he will have to fill you in next time he joins the pod. So that was game one. Uh, Game two, we are going to take off from New Orleans and fly north to Minnesota, where we're going to be seeing the Dallas Cowboys come off their bye and take on the Minnesota Vikings. Vikings, again, a home dog. So both games that we start off here are two of the six home dogs. This one is going to see Dallas favored by three here in Minneapolis at, uh, what is their dome called now? It's a bank, right? Is it a U.S. Bank Stadium? Uh, Yes, U.S. Bank Stadium. So the Cowboys are going to be a favorite there at the U.S. Bank Stadium, and they're going to be looking to cash in a victory here over under 52 points. That was really corny saying U.S. Bank and then saying look to cash in a victory. That's oh god, that's just like oh. it's about to get all stupid up in here. You are a stupid asshole. That's exactly what he is. Sorry. Anyway, back to what I was saying. Cowboys favored by three over under 52. Sharps are going to end up taking the Vikings here, as are the pros. The money are going to come in on the Vikings at 68%. Uh, On the flip side, the tickets are going to be on Dallas. Go figure. They're a public team. But as the week has gone on, now this game is going to be the Sunday night game. What? Did you say Sunday night football? I did. Should have played this earlier, but I didn't. So, this game being Sunday night, obviously these numbers might flex a little bit. But as the week has gone on, you have seen the tickets and the money slowly shift from Dallas over to Minnesota. So Minnesota getting some love right now. Getting a lot of love from the Sharps and the money because they're favored on that in that regard. But the tickets, even though 68% are on Dallas, that number has uh, come down as the week has gone on. So, I, look, Dallas is the team of all teams, right? They are 6-0 and against the spread. Minnesota, meanwhile, is 3-3 and against the spread. And if we do a check on the injury report, we will see that Dak Prescott is the news of the game. Uh, you know, look, he injured this calf late in the, their last game. They had a bye week last week. He says that he wouldn't have been able to go last week, and he thinks he can give it a go this week, and we will see. If he can't go, I mean, it's going to be an absolute nightmare for Dallas because I think Cooper Cup, uh, Cooper Cup, Cooper Rush is the backup, and he would end up starting, in which case, I, you know, this game would shift really quick to Vikings minus three to probably what uh, Vikings Vikings plus three over to Vikings minus I don't know four and a half maybe a seven point swing right four and a half five because I I, I don't know how much how much you could actually give Dallas if Cooper Rush is the quarterback not a whole lot it would just it really would be the worst case scenario for the Cowboys. So that's the injury that we all have to watch because if Dak can't go or if he ends up exiting that game early, it's it's going to be quite a shift of momentum. 
So, uh, over to our DVOA rankings for the game. Dallas is third in offense, 10th in defense. Meanwhile, Minnesota is 12th in offense and 6th in defense. So, I mean, comparable teams. Obviously, Dallas's offense has been lighting it up all year long. Minnesota's been sticking in there, right? They're middle of the pack there at 12, but Dallas's offense has really been the story. And also, Dallas's defense. Hey, look, Dallas's defense was awful last year, and they put a lot of pieces in, and, you know, I, I do know that pro football talk was taking a couple of shots on, on some of the defense, you know, Micah Parsons, who's had, I think, a phenomenal year, but, you know, the, he could get abused in coverage, this, that, and the rest. Well, they played him at defensive end sometimes. I mean, everything that has happened has turned out pretty well for Dallas, having a 10th-ranked uh, defense there. And they're better at the pass than the rush. They're, they're rushing defense is 10. They're passing, they're passing defense is 10. Their rushing defense is 15. Correct. Sorry. Screwed up there. Minnesota has the better defense. They they do. They're at six, so they're four spots ahead of Dallas. Their pass is third, so they really shut it down in regard to the passing game, which will make for a a a, a good thing to watch here because a good thing to watch here is that what I want to say? No, uh, it'll make things interesting on Sunday night because look, that what Dallas does best is what Minnesota's defense defense. Best against defense, defense against. Oh, geez, that's a lot of defend in one sentence. But anyway, Minnesota's defense is best against. So there you go. You know, you, you got the the third ranked path pass offense versus the third ranked pass defense. Boom, three and three, three squared, baby. It's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar all over the place. So you want to flip it and check out the other side of the ball. It will be Minnesota's. Offense, which comes in at 12, 6 on pass, and 28th on rush. Obviously, uh, their rush has really uh, been struggling in the. They haven't had Dalvin Cook, right? So they haven't really been able to uh, really send out their unit the way that they had envisioned. Cook has been hurt uh, for a, a good part of the year. I guess he's finally getting healthy. Ankle, right, uh, is, is what he rolled. And then, he, you know, he was out. He came back. He didn't really play that well. So so anyway, Minnesota's 12th ranked offense is 6th in pass, 28th in rush. And then you flip over to Dallas's defense, which ends up being 10th, which is 10th pass and 15th rush. So what they are weakest against, the Minnesota uh, offense is weakest in. So, uh, you know, again... It comes down to offense. If you take a look at the top teams in the league, let's just rank everything by offense DVOA. Here are the top 10 teams ranked offense DVOA. Tampa Bay, Rams, Cowboys, Packers, Chiefs, Browns, Seattle, Arizona, Baltimore, and Buffalo. So you got two teams right there that you're like, hold on, those aren't good teams. You're right. Kansas City and Seattle ranked 5th and 7th are... Hot garbage. You know, I, I shouldn't say hot garbage. They're not hot garbage. I, I mean, they're, they're just a mess. They've been playing good. But those teams are not the caliber of the other ones. If you want to look at the defense of those top 10 teams, right, because you would say that the Bucks, Rams, Cowboys, 
Packers, etc., are, are good teams. So if you take a look at those teams and look at their defense, here it is going down. Uh, Tampa Bay 7, Rams 4, Dallas 10, Green Bay 24, Kansas City obviously they stink, but they're 31, Cleveland 15, Seattle 21, Arizona 2, Baltimore 20, Buffalo 1. So yeah, you've got some defenses that are ranked up there high, but you know, Dallas at 10, Green Bay at 24, Cleveland at 15, Baltimore at 20. You're getting away with having, you know, mediocre to bad defenses so long as your offense is, you know, top tier. And so that's what I'm driving at here is that when this come, game comes down to Minnesota and the Cowboys, you know, we're going to see who's the better team and it's going to be on the offensive side of the ball. And obviously their defense is going to try to stop it, but I think that this game ultimately is going to be. Can Minnesota's offense and can Kurt Cousins come to play and keep up with the Cowboys? Now, obviously, Dak is a huge factor. I am going to, for the next five minutes, just assume that Dak Prescott is going to play. Um, even though he's not healthy, he's going to play and healthy enough that it, it's not a detriment and he's not on the verge of leaving in the second quarter uh, due to injury. So if that is... The situation, as I am assuming it, I would think that the Cowboys offense is probably going to be able to score against the Vikings defense. And then the question becomes, can Kirk Cousins and this offense, including Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook, um, be able to keep at Thielen, K.J. Osborne, um, be able to keep up and hold up their end of the bargain? Uh, Obviously, the Sharps think so, and the money thinks so. Um, and if you want to factor the flow of money, I guess, I guess the public does too, as, as tickets have started to come in on the Vikings as the week has gone on. But in my eyes, I don't think so, man. The Cowboys are really good, and they have been able to keep up with everybody. You know, they just went on the road two weeks ago before the bye, and they played the Patriots. And the Patriots tried to steal that game at the end, and it, it didn't even phase them. The Cowboys came right back and then made the play to get the victory. So, I mean, even when they're up against the ropes on the road, they've got it done. So, to me, I don't see why here in Minnesota uh, the Vikings are going to be able to stop that. But, you know, could they? I guess. Again, this is much like the Tampa Bay-New Orleans game because it's the quarterback, and and yeah, I'm... you know, Cousins has had an okay year, and for as much as everybody shit on Cousins for years on end, he's an okay quarterback. I just don't know if he's going to be able to get it done in this spot. Uh, so that's why I am going to go with the Cowboys getting the three points. And my brother also is going to be taking the Cowboys here. So you've got the Eggy brothers both in on the Cowboys for the Sunday night football game. So uh, that will wrap up the two big games of the week. And that means that we're left with running down the rest of the schedule. And so we will start out with the rest of those games at 1 o'clock. Third down. So, first game, we will start off in Cleveland, where the Browns will be facing off against the Steelers. Right now, the Browns are a four-point favorite at home 
versus Pittsburgh. The over-under in this game is 42 points, and Steelers are a big under team if you're wondering what could contribute to that under because right now against the the over-under spread, it's not a spread, over-under, whatever, Pittsburgh won 4-1 and one overall. So 42 points, the over-under. The Sharps are going to come in. They're going to take the Steelers here on the road. The tickets and the money are on the Browns. Tickets are at 52%. The money is at 83%. And the pros and Joes have separated here as the tickets have started going in on the Steelers, even though the Browns own the majority. And the money has come in on the Browns, who are all the way up to 83% now. So um, that's the breakdown. My brother and I are both going to take the Browns in this one. Uh, If you look at the injury report, there's really not a whole lot of note. The Steelers are going to lose their tight end, Eric Ebron. He's out with a hamstring. Melvin Ingram, the linebacker that they have brought in, he is doubtful with a groin injury. The Browns have a couple of injuries of note. Denzel Ward is going to be out with a hamstring. Uh, tackle Jedrick, uh, Jedrick Willis is expected to play, even though he was limited all week. The Browns are also going to get back running back Nick Chubb in this game, and Baker Mayfield is going to be a go after he continues to be battling that shoulder injury from earlier in the year that continues on each week as it keeps popping out, popping back in. I, you would imagine that at some point in this year, that's probably going to sideline him. But I guess now they're just going to keep going in, until he just simply can't go anymore. Regardless, my brother and I will both be taking the Browns here at home. Next game up is going to be in Buffalo, where the Bills will be hosting the Dolphins. Here is one of your double-digit spreads for the week. Dolphins, they fucking stink, and they're down. Uh, their spread is 14 points in favor of Buffalo here. So the over-under is 48.5 points. The Sharps are going to take the Dolphins. Why? Well, because if you look at the tickets and the money, obviously, they're just pounding on the Bills. 79% of the tickets are on the Bills. 92% of the money is on Buffalo. And the money has started, continued to come in on Buffalo while the tickets have started going toward the Dolphins. So again, much like the Cleveland Steelers game, you got a pros Joe's game here where the money is favoring the Bills and even more so as the week's gone on. So I am going to end up taking the Bills in this game. My brother's going to be taking the Dolphins. Yes, true, 14 points, a lot of points, but everything that I've seen out of the Dolphins, I don't know how they're going to stay in this game. Tua is not a good quarterback. He's been playing okay, but what do they got? I mean, the the offense is just atrocious. And I I would imagine at the end of the year, we're going to be talking about the Dolphins questioning whether or not that regime is going to stay in place because I don't know how they stop the bleeding here and I don't know how this team gets better. Throw in on top of that the continued talk about Deshaun Watson going to Miami, which can't help anything out. I mean, look, I'll just address this right now. I don't think Deshaun Watson, and I've said this before, I don't think Deshaun Watson is playing this year. I'm sorry. I just can't see it. I know that they're talking about it and trying to get it done now, but all of his legal issues are still on the fire. Those things are not out yet. So if those things are still existing, why would you trade right now? If the if the criminal cases actually gain traction, I, that's going to be it. So why are you going to trade when you're not quite sure what it is? And Stephen Ross has, has actually said so much at the owners' meetings this week where he said, yeah, I'll trade for him, but not until he settles all of his legal things. I don't think that's happening, right? So not to mention, if you're Deshaun Watson, why would you want to force a trade now anyway? 
Because if you think that you're innocent and you can get through all of this stuff and then you can go into the offseason with no more legal issues on your plate, you're going to have a ton, a ton of interest from other teams. I mean, go up and down the board. You'll be able to pick, take your pick of the litter, whoever's out there looking for one. So I don't see anything happening. But anyway, none of that can help this Dolphin program right now. So I don't see how they're going to be able to stay in this game here, even though it's 14 points. So injury report, we flip over there. Devontae Parker, he doesn't really, I mean, he he plays, but he's lost his starting gig. He hasn't played since week four. Jalen Wallace passed him, whatever. Um, and that that's coming off an injury report that I read off of CBS Sportsline. But I doesn't matter. I mean, if you watch the game, you know Devontae Parker. I mean, he had a good year a couple of years ago, and then he slowly faded. He didn't have a good year two, last year, and now, I mean, you know, he's been out since week four anyway. So, whatever. Uh, the Bills, Dawson Knox, the tight end, he's going to be out. He's got that hand issue. So, that's all that there is there. Uh, I'm going to take the Bills in this one. 14 points doesn't scare me. If it was, I you know, the 16 to 17 range, it might, but they're not going to do that to the Dolphins here. I just can't see the Dolphins playing in this game. You got the Bills coming back off of, of the bye, and I imagine that this is going to get pretty ugly. Not to mention, there's got to be a game here where the Dolphins just go kaput, right? They have not got a break since going over to London, as though that's completely normal. The Falcons, they get a week off. The Dolphins, you're going to keep going, you know, two weeks in a row. You're going to fly home, you're going to play a home game, now you're going to go up to Buffalo and play the you know the league-leading Bills, or the division-leading Bills. I, I don't see it happening. My brother, he does like the Dolphins, though, in this spot. He doesn't like the 14 points, so he is going to be on Miami. So, Eggy Brothers on the opposite ends of that one. Speaking of Atlanta, for the two weeks in a row, we've talked about the Dolphins and the Falcons back-to-back in different games here. So here, the Falcons are going to be hosting the Panthers. Falcons are going to be three-point favorites in this. 47 is the over-under. Right now, the tickets and the money are on the Falcons. 58% of the tickets are on on Atlanta. 69% of the money is on the Falcons. So the pros and the Joes are both on the side of Atlanta. The Sharps have not taken taken a lean. If you want to look for money flow, tickets have slowly went toward the Panthers while the money has slowly went to the Falcons. So again, this is the third game in the row that you've seen the pros and the Joes kind of separate going different ways. But from a sheer uh, percentage, the Falcons have everything. So uh, my brother and I are both taking the Falcons on this one. Um, You know, there's really not much to talk about. This to me is all about Sam Darnold. Darnold looks done. Uh, you know, he had a chance to go to a new area and redefine himself down there in Carolina. They took a shot on it, and it looked like it was going to work out of the gate. McCaffrey went out, and then all of a sudden, everything fell apart. And Darnold has not looked good for weeks. And last week was just—I I mean, that was that was the bottom, right? I mean, he got yanked there. He couldn't get anything done versus a. a Giants team that isn't that good. And so he ended up on the bench as they went to P.J. Walker. He's going to be under center again this week, but now it's going to be on the road against a Falcon team who seemed to be putting things together here, even though they started off a little rough. So I'm going to go with the Falcons. My brother also is going to go with the Falcons. So we'll go from the NFC to the AFC for the next one. Bengals traveling into New York to face off against the Jets at MetLife Stadium. The Bengals are the first of the 1 o'clock road favorites that we will talk about. The Bengals are 11-point favorites here on the road. Over-under is 43 points. The Jets and the Bengals are under 
monsters as they have combined to be 5 of 8 against the overs. That meaning that they've uh, hit the under 8 times versus the over 4 times, 5 times, if you know what I mean. So anyway, that's probably uh, adding the and the fact that the Jets are, are going with a backup quarterback here, Mike White, for this 43 number. But anyway, so the Bengals are 11-point favorites. They are going to own almost all the tickets here at 87%, 54% of the money pool. So the money pool is still giving the Jets a little bit of a nod here, as are the Sharps. The Sharps are going to hop on the side of New York. The money and the tickets have also seen a flow over to the other side, so the Jets are seemingly get a, getting a little bit more love as time has gone on here. I can't figure it out because, like we said, when we head, go to the injury report, Zach Wilson will not be playing under center here this week. He's not going to go to the IR. That broke today, but he will not be going to the IR. So he will not be uh, he will not be playing in this game, but he will not be on the sidelines for the uh, you know the guaranteed three weeks. Or whatnot. Also, uh, D- uh, Tevin Coleman is out, so that running back, one of their running backs, is also not going to go again. He got injured, I think, last week or the week before. But here, Tevin Coleman, from having a lot of potential years back in uh, in San Francisco, to then going down to Atlanta and now New York. I mean, it just never come together for him. You know, potential and then no production. But anyway, he's going to be out for the Jets in their backfield. And then Corey Davis is doubtful. He, you know, had a Big beginning of the year, even though that kid on the Instagram video said he had no hops. He did have a couple of good games, but obviously things are getting chopped up here toward uh, the middle of the season as Zach Wilson goes down, and now he is doubtful with a hip injury. On the other side, the Bengals, they are going to have their center Trey Hopkins and their guard Jackson Carmen playing in this game. Also defensive end Trey uh, Hendrickson is going to be playing too. They were all full participants in Friday's practice, so they were banged up going down the week, but they will all play. So, regardless, these injuries, I'm not sure it all matters. The only one that matters is Zach Wilson, and he is not playing in this game. So, the Jets don't really have much of a prayer. The Bengals screwed this up after beating the Baltimore last year. I mean, the World, the world has been completely off their axis if that happens. So in this game, I'm going to end up taking the Bengals. My brother is also going to be on the side of Cincinnati. The 11 points just isn't enough. It's kind of crazy, right? The Bills game is 14 points versus the Dolphins, and the Bengals here are only 11 versus the Jets. I would probably think that the Dolphins have a better chance of keeping that a game than New York does, but here, the Bengals are only 11-point favorites. It's one of the one of the, uh, one of the spreads this week that kind of drew my eye and maybe you know turn, turn my head a little bit to the side but anyway eggy brothers on cincinnati in that one the Colts are going to be hosting the Titans. This could have been one of the best two games. If we had a third game, I probably would have thrown it in here, uh, but I am not. Both of these teams actually 5-2 and two against the spread, so a lot of good things to be had in this game. Two teams that have been performing well, the Colts who were dead in the water and have really kind of turned it around. Things have come together and they have played well uh, here. In the, and remember, they had that close game versus the Rams earlier in the year, and so they had won that game, you know, I, I think a l- even more so 
uh, the public would have been trying to side on with the Colts here. But anyway, so the Colts, Titans, good game in Indianapolis. Colts three-point favorites. The over-under in this one is 50-and-a-half. These two teams actually do cover quite a bit. So combine their 8-and-6. and six, uh, If you look, Tennessee is 4-and-3 versus the over-under spread. And the over-under spread, I keep saying that. It's not that. You're stupid, asshole. Anyway, Indianapolis is also four and three, so eight and six with the over there. So that gets that up to fifty and a half. Um, now the sharps are going to go with the Colts here. This game was weird in the sense that earlier in the week it was even, and when I was prepping this show for Wednesday, this went from even to a half point to even to a half point the other way. It was kind of crazy. And now what has happened is the Colts are three-point favorites. So you've seen, obviously, the money coming in on the Colts enough to make that a three-point uh, spread. You know, There's been injuries in that regard. And why don't we hit that up now? We could talk about them. Julio Jones, obviously, being one of the bigger names related to this game that's going to be out. He's out with that hamstring. As for the Colts, they are going to get Braden Smith uh, and Xavier Rhodes to play here. It looks like T.Y. Hilton might also give it a go, too. We'll have to sit and, and wait, but Smith and Rhodes were able to practice in full on Friday. So they were limited earlier, practiced in full on Friday. So Hilton also practiced in a limited capacity. So some of these people are coming back for the Colts. Obviously, they got Quentin Nelson back a couple games ago. So they're on the up. As for the Titans, like I said, Julio Jones is out. Uh, left tackle Taylor Lewin, he cleared the concussion protocol, so he's going to be in this game. He missed last game, obviously. Defensive end Harold Landry, he does not have any injury uh, injury designation, that is. He was battling a hamstring, so he'll be playing in this one. So, um, I don't know. I For me... I look. I'm riding the hot hand. I'm well. The hot hand could be both teams, but I'm going to go with the Titans, right? I mean, since that loss to the Jets, I don't know how their schedule up here, but they lost that game versus the Jets, and all of a sudden they ripped off a couple of big wins here. So I'm going to side with the Jets. Uh, my brother also, it, well, Jets. I'm saying the Jets, I just talked about them, and then I screwed up the whole deal. I'm going with the Titans. My brother is also going to go with Tennessee. As for all of the other uh, factors that we talk about here, the Sharps are going to go with the Colts. The money are going to go with the Colts, but barely. Money is in on the Colts at 51%. 57% of the tickets are on the Titans. That kind of scares me. I hate being on the side of the Joes, but here it is what it is. That's the team that I picked, and the Joes right now uh, are also on my side. Now, where has the money come or gone? It, they're flowing in toward Indianapolis. So even though the tickets are f- only 40 43% on the Colts. They've seen money coming in that way, and the big money has also come in, which has probably juiced it up to the 51%. So the Colts are getting the late-week love here. Uh, the eggy love is going toward Tennessee, uh, as is the Joes. So kind of scares me. Don't like to be with the Joes, but I'll take it here. Sometimes they're on the winning side. You know what I mean? So... The 49ers are going to be taking on the Bears in Chicago. So the Bears are going to be another one of these home dogs. 49ers favored by four points. The over-under here is 39.5. The, this is a trifecta game. you got the Sharps, the tickets, and the money all on the 49ers. So tickets are leaning toward the 49ers 60%, money 83%. And that, ha- that those numbers have not moved basically all week. So they have been pretty static. So I am going to go with San Francisco, as will my brother. I mean, truth be told, I 
I know the 49ers have not looked great. The Bears have looked horrific. And there's only four points here. This is the one game that kind of scares you where, oh, this is the game where Chicago puts it all together and they get that random win, right? I'm hoping that doesn't happen, but you never know. So, um, But everything else... Seems to be lining up for the 49ers. Hopefully they can piece it together here. They've really had a rough year. Not what they had thought. But I am going to go, as my brother will too, with San Francisco. Eagles, who my brother loves and he's loved all year long, are going to go into Detroit and try to hand the Lions yet another loss. They this Here we go. Another home dog. So we had the Jets. We got the Bears. Now we got the Lions. Eagles favored by three and a half in this one over Detroit. The over-under is 48 points. The tickets, big on the Lions. The money, not so much, but also leaning toward the Lions. And then you throw the Sharps in as well, and you got another trifecta game. So here you go. Lions, they've got the Sharps, the tickets, and the money all on their side. 73% of the tickets are on the Lions. 58% of the money is on the Lions. And they have seen inflows as the week has gone on here. So... Like you'd think, my brother, he's hopping on the Eagles. He loves his team, and I can't figure it out. But I got off of them, which I should have gotten off the Chiefs as well. But I got off the Eagles after they burnt me too many times. And I'm sticking with Detroit on this one. Detroit, just they fight hard, man. I, I they, they screwed me last week. I should have teased uh, them up and taken them instead of the Rams. I flipped it, and I was on the wrong side of that one. I, I don't like Campbell. I think he's kind of a joke of a coach. But whatever he's selling, they're buying. They play really hard for him. And here, you know, the Eagles are okay, I guess. I, you know, you try to figure out how to give them credit because they had the good lines in the beginning of the season. Then they had some injury. Then they started coming back. Miles Sanders is now hurt. I, I just, I don't know what to do with, with the Eagles. I don't know where that program's at. Sirianni, it's his first year, and it kind of seems like a run of the ship. You got Hurts there, a quarterback who they're sold on, but they're not sold on. I, you know, it just hasn't been a good year for Philadelphia. It doesn't hasn't stopped my brother, so he's going to take uh, the Eagles. I am going to end up taking the line. The final game of our 1 o'clock slate here is going to be another home dog. The Texans will be hosting the Rams, and they are going to be more than two touchdown favorites. That's right. Los Angeles, 15.5 point favorites here. This is the second week in a row that the Rams have gotten monster spreads going uh, in their game. So they are favored by 15.5. The over-under is 46.5. The Sharps obviously are going to come right in on the Texans on this one because the Rams have all of the money and all of the tickets. I shouldn't say all. Not really, but a good portion. 69% of the tickets and 66% of the money are going toward the Rams. That money figure has dialed up as the week's gone on, so the money pool on the Rams has gone up, and the tickets have slowly slid toward the Texans. Look, I've tried to go with the Texans numerous times over the year, and I have gotten burnt. I have gotten burnt by the Rams also in different spots. Here, 15 and a half isn't enough to scare my brother away, and I'm going to join him. I'm going to go on with Los Angeles here. It, there was something we talked about last week, and it ended up being true for a lot of the teams, and that was uh, something I had heard on Mad Dog Sports where Fat Jack, Fat Jack, who's a gambler, I remember him from back in the day on the radio, but I, you know, whatever, he's a gambling guy, and he was talking about how when the spreads get bigger, they end up getting, uh, you know, more confident in covering. So, you know, at a certain point, it's like, wow, those are too many points. You don't want that many points for the team. But after a, after you get 
toward a certain point, which I think was like 15, maybe, it turned out like, yeah, the spreads can't get big enough because those teams end up covering. So last week you had that in the second half of the afternoon, right? You had Rams-Lions, which were uh, over two touchdowns, Bucks-Bears, which were almost two touchdowns, and then you had the Cardinals and the Texans, which were uh, you know close to 18 points. So you saw that last week, and the Rams game was the only one that you know didn't uh, didn't cover that spread. But here it's not going to scare away the Eggie brothers. We're getting on the Rams here and the 15 and a half. That wraps up the one o'clock games. So let's take on the four four o'clock games. And we'll start off in Los Angeles. We're just talking about the Rams. Let's talk about the Chargers because they're at home this week taking on the Patriots. The Chargers right now are four-point favorites in this game. Over-under is 49.5. Now, here is a, a under-central because both these teams never cover. Combined, 4-9 and nine when trying to cover the over. So, at 49.5 points, this will end up being one of my over-unders of the week. And it's going to be an under. But anyway, back to the game itself. Like I said, Chargers four-point favorites. The Patriots are a trifecta bet, if you can believe this. Because the Sharps, tickets, and money are all on the Patriots as of right now. Barely, though. 52% of the tickets are on the Patriots. 53% of the money pool is on New England. As for the Chargers, not only are they no longer... Well, I don't know if they were early in the week. I don't have it written down. But um, they are not the majority favorite for the tickets and the money. And they've been seeing those two things go the other way. So tickets and money have been flowing toward the Patriots, uh, where they are now the favorite in both of them, and they're seeing the money flow that way. That was a lot of talking right there with not saying a lot of sentences, full sentences with periods in them and commas. Anyway, what I was trying to say is not only do the Patriots have the tickets and the money, they're also seeing the flow of those two go their way. Uh, Not going to stop me. No, 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 no. I like the Chargers. This is another game, much like the Bengals spread that made me turn my head, that I can't, you know, for me, the Chargers at home here versus a Patriots team that doesn't really score and hasn't really been great. Like, their defense has been okay. Their offense has shown up in spots. But here they're going to go on the road, go cross-country, even though it's not a cross-country 1 o'clock game, right? I mean, the west-to-east 1 o'clock game is the killer. East-to-west 4 o'clock, not as bad. But anyway... They're going to have to go coast-to-coast here, and the Chargers are only getting the four points. So give me the Chargers. Give my brother the Chargers. Eggie Brothers in Los Angeles on Los Angeles. Seahawks. They're going to be hosting the Jags after losing that game last week versus New Orleans. Close game, 13-10 that one was. Here, they are going to be three-and-a-half point favorites versus the Jags. The over-under here is 44-and-a-half. Again, much like the Chargers-Patriots, here's an under-central under because these two teams combined are three-and-nine against the over. So 44-and-a-half, like I said, is the over-under for Seahawks-Jags. The Seahawks own the tickets and the money in this one, but they just barely have got the money. 51% of the money pool is on Seattle. 64% of the tickets are with the Seahawks. The Jags are going to have the sharp slide in on their side. That's not going to affect uh, the Eggy brothers. They're going to join forces and take Seattle here. I don't know what the Jags have done outside of having a, a week off that would make you think that they're going to be competitive here, even though Geno Smith is not a great quarterback. Uh, Seahawks have played well with him in there, well enough that I, you know, Jacksonville here should probably get the L. But anyway, it's only a three and a half point favorite. So that is what my brother and I are going to do is we're going to hop on the side of the home favorite Seahawks. Buccaneers, here we go. Home dog, Saints, Bucks, 
Four and a, we talked about this game. What the hell am I doing? Yeah, I'm going down my sheet here, and then all of a sudden I just started talking about one of the top two games. So let's scratch that and go on to the next game. So the next game will be the Broncos and the Washington football team. That's right. The Broncos hosting the Washington football team. Broncos favored by three and a half here. The over-under is 44 and a half. The Broncos are going to be underdogs on both the tickets and the money. Here you're going to have a trifecta. If you could believe it, the Washington football team is going to be a trifecta game here with 51% of the tickets and 54% of the money pool. So the money has slid toward the Broncos, though, as the week's gone on. So they haven't claimed ownership of the tickets and the money, but they are seeing the money come in their way. And you are going to get the Eggy brothers on that side as well. We're both taking the Broncos here at home at 4 o'clock versus the Washington football team. Uh, the football team is just falling apart. Everything has gone wrong. Heineke really hasn't uh, come around like you thought he was when he first got in there. All of the drama between uh, the Gruden emails and the Bruce Allen emails, I mean, enough of it. I, this, this team is just a mess right now. So going on Denver here on this one. And that brings us to Monday Night Football. Yes, that's right. We already talked about Sunday Night Football, and I'm not going to make the same mistake that I made before when I started to talk about the Bucks and the Saints again. Cowboys and Vikings is in the books. So that leaves us to Monday Night Football and my Giants. My New York football giants traveling into San San Francisco, Kansas City. Traveling to Kansas City to face off against the Chiefs. Right now, the Chiefs are a nine and a half point favorite against the G-Men. The over-under here is 52 and a half points. The Chiefs right now own the tickets and the money with a percentage of 62% of the tickets and 64% of the cash, while the Sharps are going to come in on the Giants. So, I don't know. To me, how do you go with the Giants in this spot? And I'll tell you how. Because the Chiefs have kind of fallen apart, and everybody has soured on them to the point that... It's just now in vogue to pick against the Chiefs, and rightfully so. If you've seen the stats or if you've seen this trend that's popped up on Instagram and every Twitter, whatever, they suck against the spread. They're terrible. I think they're 2-13 over the previous 15 games. If I remember right, whatever it is, it's like two and forever. They just stink. They, they don't cover. That's what it is. And here they go. Even when they get small spreads, they end up losing, like last week. So here they get nine and a half points, and they're going to be favored against the Giants. And I'm going to end up picking the Chiefs again. I can't help it. I'm just a glutton for punishment. The Giants, to me... You know, last week they they beat the Carolina Panthers, who I just don't have a quarterback, right? And so that's not going to give me a vote of confidence in any way, shape, or form. I'm sorry. I just don't. I'm not going to put a lot of stock in a game versus the lowly Panthers who are trying to figure out what the hell they're going to do at the most important position in sports. So the Chiefs here, look, they have problems. Their defense sucks. 
Their offense has not been playing up to par, and now they're getting 9.5 points. The contra-argument would be like, why? What have these guys shown you that they're going to get 9.5 points? Plus, the Giants do have Daniel Jones, who can sometimes come to play. They have some pieces. I mean, maybe it comes together. I don't know. The defense has not really played well all year. They've been banged up. Speaking of being banged up, let's check out the injury report, which I actually didn't give for a bunch of these other games. There wasn't uh, that many uh, big injuries. There was, you know, some here and there, but on the whole, uh, a lot of the games that I, I missed out on here, I, it's not really worth talking about. There's not a whole ton of big injuries or anything out of the blue. You know, if you look at that Patriots-Chargers game, you look at the Patriots fucking injury report, they they list 20 million people on the God the injury report. What is that good? They're, they're all injured. Your whole team is injured, I guess. So anyway, but let's uh, fast forward here to the uh, Monday night game. Uh, you're going to have to wait for the report to come out, but you have Sterling Shepard, who looks like he's going to give it a go. Kadarius Tony, who looks like he's going to give it a go. I'm not sold on uh, on Saquon Barkley as of yet. I would imagine he doesn't go this week. Um, and as for the Chiefs, I don't know if there's anything that big. There wasn't when I looked last. So it looks like uh, Anthony Hitchens is out. Okay, he's been banged up all year. Mike Remmers is questionable. So nothing really on Kansas City. And indeed, Galladay is out, as is, uh, uh, what do you Saquon Barkley. So they won't be in there. But I don't think it really matters. The question here is, do you think that the Chiefs are going to be able to piece their offense together and produce at a level that they were the past two years? If that's the case, they're going to cover this 9.5 really easy. If they still battle all of these problems, I you know, I guess I give the, the Giants a chance here at the 9.5. I'm not sold on it, so I am taking the Chiefs. My brother is on the opposite side of this one. He does like the Giants. Even though last week he just talked about not picking the Giants, he is going to pick the Giants here. So we're going to be on the opposite sides well I'm going to go against my team and he is going to go with them fourth down oh and here we have arrived finally at the pick session this is where we put our money where our mouth is and we see how we can generate a big return on our investments as the year has gone on, which for me has not gone well, because as we will start off here with our bankroll update, I had to repop for an extra thousand bucks. So I lost my initial bankroll of a thousand. So now I'm in for two with one thousand to play with. My brother, meanwhile, he has knocked it out of the park. He is currently at. 33.50, so he has tripled his bankroll. He's been floating back and forth the past couple of weeks. However, he's still up in the triple ROI range. So we'll start off with our super contest picks. We've got five. We've got three that are the same. So both Chris and I have selected the 49ers, the Chargers, and the Seahawks to cover their spreads in our best five. And then we venture different routes for our final two. I am going to end up taking the Falcons, and I am going to take the Bills. Yes, I'm taking the Bills, plus that big spread. The Falcons, obviously, at home versus the Panthers. And then my brother went a different route. He took the Bengals on the road versus the Jets there, and that big spread didn't scare him off. And he took the Titans who he loves this week, who are going to be a, a uh, whatever, road dog here 
versus the Colts there in Indianapolis. So those are our super contest picks. And the next one up will be all of our over-unders. We'll do those. We do two each week. So we will start with mine. I took Buffalo-Miami. I took under that 48.5 points. I just cannot see Miami contributing to this game with Buffalo's defense being as stout as they are to a point that they're going to notch over 48 points. So I'm going to take the Buffalo-Miami under, lock it in. I am also going to take the Los Angeles Chargers and New England's under. Yes, it is 49.5 points, and these two teams, as I had mentioned, are you know under centrals because they together have put to get, uh, what, four for nine. Four and nine when going for overs and unders. So, I mean, combined, these guys just don't score points. Then the Patriots, what's their what's their MO, right? It's their defense more than anything. So maybe you see the Chargers running up a little bit to get over that 50. But, uh, you know, if you look at the two teams, what they've done historically over 2021, I am thinking that that is probably good. So lock in the under for the Chargers and New England. As for my brother, he is also going to do New England and Los Angeles. So you can lock in another Chargers Patriots under the 49 and a half. But he is going to take a different game for his second over under. That's going to be Pittsburgh Cleveland. He's actually going to go over. He's going to go over the Pittsburgh Cleveland uh, spread of 42 and a half. He thinks that there's going to be some uh, action to be had in that game. So he'll be taking the over. So those are our two over-unders. We go next to our survivor knockout. And I am going to take the Bengals facing the Jets. I mean, come on, please. It's the Jets, right? The Bengals lose that one. I mean... uh, then, like I said, 2021 is completely thrown in the blender and chopped up. As for my knockout, I'm going to take the Texans. Lock those guys in. They stink. Even though they're home, they're playing against the Rams. I mean, please, come on. We flip over to my brother for his survivor pick. He is going to take the Chiefs. They're playing the Giants. I, of course, like that because I picked the Chiefs. He took the Giants. I, I guess he just likes them to cover that 9.5. And, and then for his knockout, he is going to take the Vikings knock them out of there against the Cowboys. Now, as I'm saying this, my watch goes off, and it begins to say that all word now is saying that Dak Prescott is not going to start for the Cowboys. So, if that's the case, this Vikings-Cowboy game is off the board because, like we said before, this whole thing is predicated on Dak Prescott playing. So, now, this brings us to our money segment, and we will go down. I'll start with my brother and his bets. He took Tennessee, the Chargers, and New Orleans on a money line parlay. So he took the Titans to win, the Chargers to win, and the Saints to win. He's going to put 50 on that sucker. He's also going to do a straight bet. He's going to put the Cowboys in there. He's going to bet 100 on that. I guarantee you he's going to take that bet off if Dak Prescott is not playing. So that's going to be tentative. But we'll flip over the teasers. He always likes to do the money lines with the tees, and that's what he's doing here. So he's doing the same three, Tennessee, Chargers, and the Saints. He's also going to throw in Cincinnati, and then he's going to tease all those guys to get their points, and he's going to throw 100 on that one. So again, Tennessee, Chargers, and New Orleans in a money line parlay. And then he's going to throw Cincinnati with those and do a teaser with them. Uh, Cowboys, obviously, is questionable, especially if Dak Prescott is not going to play. So let's flip it over to it's moi. 
My parlays are going to be pretty simple. I am taking the Chargers and Atlanta. Again, Chargers favored by four, Atlanta favored by three. I'm taking both those teams at home facing you know questionable uh, opponents there in both the Panthers and Patriots. Second one, I'm going to try to going to try to put my foot into the money line parlay angle. I'm going to do the Tennessee Titans and the New Orleans Saints. So I'm taking two teams who I think could win. I'm not saying the Saints are the questionable one, but you know, throw them in there because they are at home. Stranger things have happened. Kamara's a, Kamara's a stud. He could have a monster game, and you could see a defensive blow up, uh, something screwy. It's not going to come from Brady, but you know, if, if he doesn't excel and defense plays bad, I could see New Orleans winning. So you take Tennessee and New Orleans, you throw them together. I'm going to put 50 bucks on that. The Chargers, Falcons, I'm going to throw 100 on that. That leaves me with my teasers. I'm going to do two teasers here. I am going to do uh, uh, two teasers that are correlated. So I am going to do Buffalo, Cincinnati, and Kansas City. Buffalo down to eight, Cincinnati down to five, Kansas City down to three and a half, and I'm going to put a hundred on that. I'm going to then throw in the tr- the Rams. They screwed me last week. They better not screw me here, especially if I get all the other games and they're the fourth leg. So I'm going to bring the Rams down to nine and a half. So they got to win by ten points or more, like that. So I'm going to bring that in. I'm going to throw fifty on that. So I'm in for a hundred or two hundred if you count everything there. My brother in for uh, two fifty with that question on the Cowboys. So that about does it. As I'm looking through, we have knocked it all down. We have gone through all of our games. We've given all of our bets. And that, as they say in the game, is a wrap. So you guys enjoy your week eight, your Sundays, anything else that you choose to do, your soccer games like I'm going to, your Weeblow uh, the scout walks as I have to do first thing in the morning, whatever the hell it is, working off your hangovers if you're going out, partying out in the city. Whatever it is, enjoy, and I will talk to you guys later in the week. Peace.